Welcome back to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. It has been too long, Caitlin. I know, it's crazy. I've missed everyone. Oh my god. So do I. I can't wait to release episodes again. Yeah, like, so, Caitlin, you and I haven't actually talked at all until now, <laughs> these past two months. How are you? <laughs> Caitlin loves when I, when I, like, pull these out of my ass with these, like, really unscripted segments. She loves it, by the way. It's her favorite thing. So I'm really asking you, how are you? Tell me. I'm hanging in there as you can during a pandemic. (laughs) This podcast is helping me through. That's for sure. Good. I'm glad. Oh, also, I've been watching Everyone is Doing Great with James Lafferty and Stephen Coletti. How is that? I've been wanting to check that out. I'm liking it. I I mean, I finished it. I might rewatch it again. It's a dry sense of humor, but it's really funny. Huh. You see these actors in like a totally different kind of setting and the roles are totally different from One Tree Hill. So don't expect One Tree Hill at all. But it it's funny. James Lafferty is is he able to be funny? Like <laughs> I mean I'm not trying to like downplay like his skills or anything like that. I mean I love him, but is he able to be funny? <laughs> his character is. His character is for sure. Um okay. it's, but like I said, it's like a dry sense of humor. It's hard to explain. You just have to watch it, Jeremy, and get back to me. All right. I'm very intrigued by that. Yeah. And I also, um, I saw the tweet that you posted from our account where yep. you were like, Tree Hill alert. So there's like a Tree Hill cameo. Don't spoil anything. I'm not spoiling I, anything. But okay. yes, I can confirm. All right. I am looking forward to that. I, I cannot wait personally. Get on it. You're slacking. I am sorry. Maybe maybe I'll do a live tweet from our account sometime in the near future. That's not a promise, by the way, listeners. <laughs> so I'm just I'm literally just pulling this out. So if you all want this to happen, maybe I'll do it. You should. What about you? Other than that, like, yeah, I've been I, I've been chilling since we released our last episode and editing. So basically I've been like reliving all of these past episodes. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> So you actually haven't been away from the podcast. Honestly, no. <laughs> and I still talk to you like every day, despite what I said about like, oh, we haven't talked at all these last two months. <laughs> but one thing we would like to hear more from every day is reviews from our fellow listeners. Yes, we want those reviews. And speaking of reviews, I wanted to share one. Ooh. And I'm sharing this one now. It, it was posted soon after like we started first releasing episodes and i'm sharing it now because it's relevant it's from km is king hungry for more can't wait to get into all of the drama lies betrayal and romance this show teases at bring on more episodes that's really well timed actually It truly because is. Because we have seven episodes up for grabs right now that are coming your way every single week, KM is King. We're bringing them back. We have lots to share and discuss still in season one. I just gotta say, I really want to remind all of our listeners to please, please, please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. And it's not to help our egos as much as I have said that before in previous episodes. It really does help support the show. Just leaving a quick five-star review, leaving like a, a few nice comments. It really helps other listeners find us. And it's just a very, very easy way to support us. And we may read it on the show. For sure. Mm-hmm. We would really appreciate it. Yeah. We will give you hi- the highest praise. 
just like we're going to give to Cam as Kane, because Cam is Kane. We have seven episodes coming your way, and we are glad to provide them for you. Yes, super exciting. And speaking of all of those episodes, we have a lot of fun things to look forward to. We discuss the boy toy auction, and that's always a highlight of season one for longtime fans. Tell, tell everybody about the, the guests that we brought on for that episode, Caitlin. Yeah, and in that episode, my best friend Jenna Lenskold joins us, and she joins us in the regular episode and also in the spoiler segment as well. So we get to dive into what's to come and also the episode itself. And um, Jenna and I share a ship. <laughs> it's not the one that you think it is at this current moment, but it's coming soon. <laughs> And I'm just saying, I felt very, very seen by Jenna, so I'm very excited for everybody to be able to hear that conversation. Oh, boy. Me and Jenna, like, we, you know, she may be, like, Caitlin's best friend, but Jenna and I, like, hardcore bonded. Like, we were just, we were bonded. And I just sat there and listened (laughs) to that portion. Basically. But (laughs) Caitlin contributed good stuff, too, we promise. Yeah, on a completely different note, though, one episode that Caitlin and I just recorded on our own is for episode 119, How Can You Be Sure? Which, to be honest, not the best episode ever. No, definitely but not. <laughs> I think we probably had our best conversation that we have ever had. I think you might be right. That one definitely tops what we've done so far. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to, like, pat ourselves on the back too much, but, like, that was a very deep conversation. <laughs> and we talked about things and went in different, like, directions than I had anticipated. And it was, it went beyond, like, the notes that I had for that episode. <laughs> yeah. It was very, like, spur of the moment. Like, it just happened naturally. Yeah, it was very philosophical. I felt like we talked a lot mm-hmm. about, like, psychology and everything. It was... I just didn't expect it to go that way, because, like, I was, you know, I, I jumped into the episode, like, this episode's fine, but it became a better conversation. So I'm just saying, like, our we may not have given the episodes five out of five, but I, I think our conversation is definitely five out of five. Yeah, we get into some deep stuff, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another surprise that then that happens is it doesn't necessarily happen in this episode, but I feel like later on we have um very surprisingly nuanced like, takes on Nikki, who we meet in this episode. Yeah, we were trying to think of her from like a different angle and like kind of her emotions and what she's going through. So yeah, I think it is kind of an unexpected conversation that we have. Totally, yeah. But we promise we'll get into this um, episode very shortly, but just one more thing. We are prepping for our end of season one episode, which is going to serve as a recap and also a mailbag where we would love to hear from listeners like you. Please send us emails. We love to hear from you. Even if we don't respond, we hold on to those emails for later on. Yes, we haven't been responding to like every email that we've been getting, but we are holding on to them. So just so don't think that we're being rude or anything like that. We are holding on to them. I have a special little folder in our in our Gmail account. That email is alwaysothpod at gmail.com. Right now, the tentative deadline to send us emails is Tuesday, March 23rd. And these emails can be related to anything about season one. They could be about corrections for anything that we may have said. We have a few of those. I'm really looking forward to sharing some of those because I love being called in sometimes. You can ask for our thoughts on things we may have missed. So if there's like a storyline that you think Caitlin and I just like really fucked up on and we completely passed it over, 
please let us know. Love to hear about that as well. Um, just to expand on our ideas about everything that we discussed. And your questions could also be completely unrelated. It could be about, like, our podcast production process. If you really want to know, like, really boring stuff like, oh, who writes the scripts for these episodes? <laughs> or, like, who comes up with the Spotify playlist? Who makes these videos like, that we see on your social media? Like, feel free to ask us, like, anything related to that. We'd love to answer that. And... You know, hell, even if you want our TV, movie, and book recommendations, we will give those to you as well, because we watch other things other than One Tree Hill, and read other things, we, we promise you. So basically, send us any questions that you have, but also comments, too. It doesn't necessarily have to be a question. If you have, like, an analysis about a specific ship or a storyline, we'd love to hear it, and we can give you a shout-out on our recap as well. Yes, and, um... We'll try to use um, they, them pronouns when we read out your email, but if you can leave your pronouns in your email signature, that would be also helpful as well. We would like to honor how you would like to be referred to as, so please shower us with those emails. Again, alwaysothpod at gmail.com. You have until March 23rd. You guys are awesome. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, now that we have all that out of the way, um, let's get into our episode. This week we are discussing the first cut is the deepest, which is the 16th episode of season one. It was written by Mike Kelly, directed by Robert Zonkin McNeil, and originally aired on March 2nd, 2004. As a reminder, this podcast is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. This episode, we talk about our favorite villainous vixens, so it's something to look forward to. That was a very excited discussion, and I'm really excited for all of you to hear that. Anyway, somebody told me that this is a place where everything's better and everything's safe. The love triangle drama continues. Brooke doesn't forgive Lucas or Peyton for what they did, even though both of them try apologizing to her. Between Lucas's struggles with rehab and his shoulder, the drama with Brooke and Peyton, and a negative encounter with Zan, he increasingly becomes frustrated and upset and goes out to a bar one night to blow off some steam. He meets fun and flirty Nikki, and they end up sneaking into a mall and hooking up on a spinning carousel. In other news, Zeb reveals she had an affair and left Zan a few years ago when Nathan was at summer basketball camp. After hearing this news, Nathan becomes very upset because he had to endure Dan's abuse that summer. He then makes the big decision to petition for emancipation from his parents. Other members of the Scott family are also struggling. Since Keith put the body shop up for sale, Dan offers to buy it. Dan claims Keith can remain the boss and buy back the shop when he's ready. But after signing the contract, Keith learns Dan has more control of the business than he initially thought. Dan has renamed the body shop and hired a new boss. Meanwhile, after Haley fails to get Cheryl Crow concert tickets, Cheryl herself stops by Karen's Cafe. Nathan and Haley get a personal show at the price of one song per cup. Peyton also has a fun day babysitting Jake's daughter Jenny, and at the end of the evening, eats pizza and watches a movie with Jake. After Peyton leaves, Jake hears a knock at his door. On the doorstep is Nikki, the same girl Lucas hooked up with, who is also Jake's baby mama. What? Things are about to get interesting in Shree Hill. Hoping my DSL connection is fast, I'm Caitlin Illinich. And performing magic tricks at bars to pick up guys, I am Jeremy Rodriguez.
So today's episode is titled after the Cheryl Crow song, The First Cut is the Deepest. The first cut is the deepest. <laughs> Baby, I know the first cut is the deepest. Keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> I need the lyrics I- of that. <laughs> I keep wondering every time. Baby, when it... Oh, oh, she, she's, actually, she's actually continuing. Okay, okay. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she took the joke and she ran with it. Okay, wow. <laughs> um, I, I always wonder, too, like, are we... Is this illegal what we do when we say in the song? <laughs> I don't think so. We're giving full credit. We're not playing the song. That, that is. Cheryl Crow is going to sue us. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. Um... Yeah, because I'm trying to act like I'm actually Cheryl Crow. <laughs> but you are Cheryl Crow, actually. <laughs> oh, Say, like, I'm actually, like, okay, you know, maybe we should come clean about this. Like, I actually am hosting this podcast with Cheryl Crow. <laughs> it's, okay, we're, we're, coming, we're coming clean about it. Like, I am hosting this with Cheryl Crow. If only, and, that would be so cool. And I am Kid Rock. Actually, no, I don't want to be Kid Rock. I was about to say I'm Kid Rock. No, don't make me Kid Rock. No, I'm still Jeremy. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> Caitlin is Cheryl Crow. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this song. What did you think of it? So I think it's, you know, I like the title of the song because I think it really hints to the all that drama that everyone's kind of trying to move on from. And it just really represent, you know, that that first love, like the first cut is the deepest, like it's painful. Within the love triangle, everyone has kind of a different experience, but basically, in the end, they're all feeling hurt in some way. Yeah, for sure. What were your thoughts? Well, I kind of like the the line, um, but if you want, I'll try to love again, because I feel like that actually is speaking to a lot of, like, what everybody is going through. I mean, we see Peyton with Jake, and, you know, everything that was going on with the whole Lucas drama. Like, you know, now she's actually finding a little bit of comfort with Jake, so it's like, okay, she's trying to love again. I know that's it's a little bit early to say that stuff about Peyton and Jake right now, but it looks like Peyton is at least trying. And then we also see Lucas, who is, you know, he was at this big crossroads up until this point, and now he's realizing, like, you know what? Like, I can make some changes to my life. Let's do this. Yeah, he's definitely trying to move on in this episode, but more so in a just a fun way. Yeah, fun way. Let's talk about that fun way. In this episode, we meet Nikki. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Should we share listeners' thoughts first? (laughs) Sure. What do you think? Because I don't really know where to begin. (laughs) (laughs) With, with this one. All right. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, let's lead with that. So do you want to, you read yours first. So on social media, Jenna said the following. Gosh, I can't stand her. I don't know how Luke even found her attractive at the bar with her whole quote unquote, you're not Lucas. That implies you're the only one. Your name is Lucas. Speech is so obnoxious. <laughs> hmm. I agree to an extent, actually. <laughs> It's like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, she was trying to be clever, and it really wasn't that clever. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not trying to, like, diss Nikki. I actually really, really like Nikki, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the spoiler segment. Um, she's just very entertaining to watch, I think. I, I don't think she's, like, a good person or anything like that. That's a whole That's a whole other thing. Like I said, she, yeah, she's entertaining, but 
that whole speech, I'm like, I don't know if I would fall for that either, to be honest. And I've fallen for a lot of bullshit from people at bars. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I I don't know what you mean, but... (laughs) (laughs) Stop lying! (laughs) I don't know. She just seems like not... You wouldn't choose her to be with Luke. I think that was the point. I don't even know why Luke is even looking for that after all that just happened. But that I mean, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, why not? <laughs> that's what I yeah. say. <laughs> why wouldn't you expect him to look for that? I don't know. He was all in this drama. And now, <laughs> as we know the ending to this episode, obviously this is going to cause even more drama. Yeah, but he wasn't looking for... I mean, he's not, lo- yeah. he's not looking for a relationship here. This is just... No, no, he wasn't. Yeah, this is straight up casual sex. And he was a little bit hesitant about it, too. He even says, like, I barely know yeah. you. Because, <laughs> like, you know, that's like a... When you're 17, that's like a foreign concept to you. You're like, what? I barely mm-hmm. know you. And now it's like, you know, now me at age 30, I'm like, I'm like, I don't really care if I know you. <laughs> so I don't even know your name. Let's just go. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I guess. Okay. So this kind of brings up the issue. Like, I don't really know what to say about Nikki because and I'm going to share a listener's comment in a second. Um, about the t- old timeline, but like, how old is Nikki supposed to be? And that's the part that's really concerning to me now, looking at it from a 2020 perspective. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know there's an episode coming up where Nikki says that she's going to college, and then I believe she drops out. That doesn't tell us her age at all. No, it doesn't. And at one point, she says, I like them young, when they're in Karen's cafe eating. Yes. After the whole carousel hookup. At the time, I know, age of consent was 16 in North Carolina, so it's not really, like, it's not a legal issue. That much right now. I mean, it's still, like, kind oh. of... It, it is still kind of weird to date somebody that young, because, you know, there's just a bunch of icky feelings with that, that... You you got me. Okay, I didn't know that about North Carolina. There's a line where that's mentioned, like, later on in the series. Yeah, maybe she's, like, a year or two older than they're supposed to be. Yeah, so I think, hypothetically, if this was to be, like, not creepy, this is what I am imagining. Are you ready? I think Nikki got pregnant maybe the end of her senior year of high school. Which would make Jake, like, around a sophomore or something like that. He would have been finishing his sophomore year of high school. So, I think maybe Nikki started to go off to college. She obviously didn't stay in college or anything like that. So, I'm going to guess Nikki's supposed to be around 19. That's going to be my guess. I don't know if I'm right. Yeah. The actress, Emmanuel Valchier, was, like, 26 when she was playing this role. But yeah. But Lucas is 20. Um, Chad Nakamari was also, like, 22, 23 when he was playing a 17-year-old. So, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't. And that, that kind of goes off. We kind of half answered Marielle, one of our listeners' questions. She says, Team Jake, Woo-hoo! how old is Nikki? Yes, represent, <laughs> represents. <laughs> how old is Nikki? Jenny is only six to ten months old. What is this timeline? <laughs> so according to what you just explained, that would make sense. Yeah. Again, like, I don't think there's anything, there's no concrete facts for this. Yeah. But that's what I'm going to, that's my headcanon, that's the, that's what I'm going to roll with, personally. Um, If anybody has any other thoughts, feel free to uh, email us, tweet us, Instagram us, Facebook us, text us. Actually, don't text us. Yes. Don't don't text us, I don't know why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) 
our numbers. Yeah, feel free to text us, but that's not public information. <laughs> Everywhere else, yeah, feel free. Slide into our DMs. Oh man. Now that's um so this um last listener question is from valeria did jenny's storyline have an underlying rejection toward women not once and kids i was really stumped with this one and i still don't know the answer to it i agree i don't really know the answer to it either (laughs) but i think what the storytellers are trying to do is they're trying to spin the story so it's different than like your typical story which is you know the mother has the child and raises the child alone and the father leaves and doesn't want anything to do with the child. That's your typical story. Yeah. So this is doing the opposite. So I don't know if it's really supposed to be rejecting, like showing that underlying rejection about being, you know, a mother and wanting kids. But I have to say partly yes, because it's spinning like the typical narrative that you would see in a TV show or a movie. Yeah, and I've I've mentioned this in a previous episode, I believe. Um, I think at the end of the day, we have to think about the fact of who was in charge of the show. It was this like giant patriarchal jackass, and I feel like he wanted to make men look good here, and he's always very interested in making like a man look good. I mean, there's Jake. Jake is the stand-up father figure, and I love Jake. Don't get me wrong, but there's something to say about that, you know, the fact that. We have this team that, like, I don't even know what I'm saying, to be honest with you. I I think we could consider that, but I don't think we can definitively say that's what he was trying to do. I'm going to definitively say that. You don't have to agree with me, but I will definitively say that, because, I don't know, that's just just where I'm going to come from with that perspective. Okay. I mean, I think it's something valid to consider. Yeah. How his perspective would shape the storylines in the show. Yeah, and... Focused on male characters. Yeah, and also, too, like, I feel like this show really likes to have um, evil women as well, which, you know, that's something we'll get into in future episodes, in addition to the spoiler segment, and... It's it's a lot to consider, I feel like. But yeah, that's a really great question, Valeria. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I, really... I, don't, I, I don't I feel like we don't have a solid answer, but But hopefully know. that was good enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, wait, let's go so wait, let's go back to the whole thing about like um about Lucas trying to find a one well, he wasn't trying to find a one night stand, a one night stand like came upon him. What do you mean? <laughs> we sort of like you know veered off topic with that but yeah like i don't know like lucas trying to find a one night stand trying to find casual sex like i don't give a shit about that and i feel like this show is very much anti-casual sex in that way i mean it's hurtful it's hurtful for brooke and peyton because why though he's not with them he's not with them but he's already moving on i, I mean i can see that perspective they don't know exactly what happened that night I mean, they both thought that they had something serious with Lucas, and he's already thinking about someone else. Yeah, well- And whatever. I guess sex doesn't always have to mean anything. Yeah. But I I could see their perspective, and I could see feeling the same way. Peyton doesn't know yet, does she? They both know. Remember the bartender told them when they were- That's right, that's right. Duh, duh. You're right. So- My bad. They're like, okay, what the heck? So, like, all of this just went down, and now- He's already out trying to find someone else. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And then what does that say? And I can see your point, but like, what does that say about like where he was, where his head was at when he was with them? You know, if he was thinking about being with someone else or I don't know. 
I don't think I don't really think that means. I mean, okay, so here's the deal. Like, let, let me backtrack on my statement a little bit. Um, Brooke and Peyton, I feel like have every right to be a little bit insecure about it. That's you know that's their feelings. It's those feelings are completely valid. I have space for them. If they were my friends, yeah. I would like you to try to call them. Be like, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, it would be hurtful if you love someone, yeah. and then that person you find out they're already sleeping with someone else. I don't know. I feel like any human would be upset about that. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Me, not necessarily, because me being, I don't know if I ever explained this on the podcast, but I'm ethically non-monogamous, so no, I wouldn't be upset about that sort of thing. But I'm not saying that Brooke and Peyton aren't allowed to be upset. Now, Lucas, though, I don't think that's, you know, the fact that Lucas is seeking out casual sex, I don't think that says anything negative about him. I think that just means he just wanted to have sex. Whatever. Move on. You know? And, and that's it. But, like, you know, Brooke and Peyton are allowed to feel what they feel as well. But I also don't think it says anything negative about Lucas either. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. That's where I stand, like, very firmly on that issue, honestly. So, that's it. I mean, there's, I feel like there's so much more to say about Nikki in regard to this whole hookup, but I feel like that has to, that has to wait until later. Yeah, there's only so much we can really say, I feel like. <laughs> yeah exactly i'm like I'm, I'm, there's so many moments where i'm trying to like bite my tongue that's why you see me like struggle with my words i'm like what i'm like mm, can't say that mm, can't say that yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh the struggle of having a spoiler free podcast <laughs> right definitely that's why we have a spoiler segment at the end um by the way i don't know if you know this but the carousel that they have sex on do you recognize that carousel did you ever go to that carousel? No. Oh, okay. Well, I did some research into that. Apparently it was at Independence Mall in Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, yeah, we never went into a mall. But the carousel was removed in 2012. Oh, the year the show ended. Yeah. Just like the River Court was removed too, wasn't it? In 2012? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, it's just like they had to completely remove the landmarks. I have a little piece of it. Really? Yeah, I have a little piece of the river. Court. Oh my god, can you share a picture of that on social media? Yeah, I have the. Okay. I'll get it out. Oh my god, yes, okay, you're gonna share. Yes, awesome. I didn't know about that. Wow, that's news to me. <laughs> I can't share everything, Jeremy. <laughs> I have to leave some things as a surprise. That's true. Um, uh, but to, to go back to that, um, sex scene now, like, I feel like, and to go back on, like, the views of, like, casual sex and everything like that, I notice when they show that scene, you notice they don't really, like, zoom in on when they kiss on the mouth or anything like that. As a matter of fact, when, like, Nikki tries to kiss him on the mouth, like, he moves his neck upward, and she ends up kissing his neck instead. So I feel like the fact that they don't really focus on kissing on the mouth, that just shows, like, this is a casual thing. Yeah, it was not meant to show, like, a tender moment or anything. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? exactly. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that the directing really does kind of reveal that. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, those, those are my feelings on the whole situation. But their date ends at Karen's Cafe, and then Nikki just leaves. And But before that, she says, like, you know, things aren't just black and white. There's a lot of gray. And do you think Lucas, like, learned anything from his experience with Nikki? Because, like, I don't know, like... I don't know. No, I think it was just a little fling. Not even a fling. It was just a night. Yeah, but because, so, like, right after the hookup, though, that's when he goes to Karen, he apologizes, and he starts to say, like, you know, like, oh, I've been messing up a lot, but I'm going to do better. And I'm like, well, and the entire time I'm wondering, like, what did he learn from Nikki? Like, what did the experience from, with Nikki, like, teach him? <laughs> Uh, like what led him to apologize? I don't think it was a teachable moment or anything, honestly. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like the show wants us to believe that it is, and that's why I'm like, I don't. Hmm. 
It just doesn't add up to me personally. It doesn't make any sense because what is she really trying to say there when she's saying that there's gray? Like, is that supposed to foreshadow the reveal at the end? I mean, maybe, I guess. Because I don't, I don't think Lucas really... So he just got more and more upset as the episode went on, and then he just decided to leave. He just stormed out of Karen's cafe when he was having dinner with his mom and Haley, and then had had this night to blow off steam or whatever, to let loose. And I don't know. What, what could he really learn from that? Did it just like... Re- it was like he hit the reset button in some way, or... I don't know. What was there to learn from Nikki? I don't think there was anything to learn from her. I mean, the the only connection I feel like I can gain from this entire thing is that, um, so we remember the confrontation that Lucas had with Dan. Dan, like, said, you're welcome, which that was a fucking asshole move. Like, Lucas does not owe you a thank you for saving his life. You literally did the bare minimum. You should have done that. Like, fuck you, dude. And then, you know, even Karen tries to defend um, Dan during that situation. But that's the only thing I can think of. Like, maybe it's trying to say, like, okay, Dan's an asshole, but he also did save your life. That's the only thing I can think of. Like, okay, there's gray area there. Maybe. Even that, I still feel like, like, Lucas doesn't know Dan's shit. No, he doesn't. By the way, can we talk about that scene when he storms out of the cafe, though? Like, and I feel really weird defending Lucas right now, but I think he had every right to get angry at both Karen and Haley there. What, what were they saying to him? So, um... Haley says, like, oh, this is just like old times, minus one spleen, when all the Marines enter together. That actually was a funny joke. (laughs) She was trying to make light of everything. She was trying to make light. He got mad. And, you know, she did apologize. She said sorry too soon. And then Karen tried to uh, basically defend Dan. And, you know, she said, like, oh, he did save your life. But, again, like, Lucas still doesn't owe him anything. I really don't care that Dan saved his life. So I understand, like, yeah, maybe yeah. he didn't need to okay. storm off, but, like, I feel like he had every right to be angry in that situation. Yeah, I, I don't really know why Karen would defend him. I get that she was relieved that Dan, you know, did that and then was able to save Lucas in the end. But she should believe what Lucas said that Dan said earlier, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She said, I'm sure that's not how it happened. Like, that's uh, that's the ultimate gaslighting. Because why would Lucas make that up? yeah. Like, that did happen. We saw it. Like, all of us viewers, we were seeing it happen that way. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So, yeah, I know. It's really weird for me to be defending Lucas in this situation, but I am, honestly. Um, Which is going to be a complete contrast to one of our other listener messages (laughs) from our listener, (laughs) C. And, you know, C's wonderful. We know C. C chats with us all the time. Like, she's great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I'm, I'm going to read um, her comment. This is an episode among a stretch of episodes where I find Lucas to be the most unlikable he ever gets, in my opinion. So I guess that's my hot take. I'm mostly indifferent to his character in general, but he earns that fuckboy title in season one for a minute there. And yes, there's a lot of fuckboy moments for Lucas in season one. Um the whole thing with Karen and Haley, though, that's where I'm like, eh, I kind of see you. I'll tell you about where I did think he was a fuckboy, though. I did not like how he tried to, um, how he tried to apologize to Brooke. He was like, Brooke, I'm sorry. Like, he was like... Yeah, it was like a half-ass apology. Yeah, it was. he was, like, more annoyed with saying it, and it's... That was weird to me. I know. The apology at the end, towards the end of the episode, was more legit. Yeah. But the first one was, like... They were just passing each other in the hallway, and he decided to say something, and it just didn't seem... Like, I don't even think Peyton's apology was that 
was even that great either. Wait, what if he apologized to Peyton? When Peyton was trying to apologize to Brooke. I don't even think that her apology was that great either. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to feel for Brooke here. And I think both of them are to blame. They're the ones who went behind her back. But I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like their apologies. I don't think they were sufficient. I actually preferred um, Peyton's approach to the situation a little bit more, though. It just seemed like it just seemed like Lucas was being annoying. I feel like Peyton was actually giving Brooke some space. Like, yeah, she's trying to apologize and everything like that, but yeah. I feel like at the end of the day, she does know when to back away. And I feel like that was actually very healthy for her to do that. That's true. Just I'm thinking of the one one of the confrontations they had outside. Are you talking about the one where she said that? Um, where she's like, we we edited it before it got too far. And then, oh, let's yeah, yeah. Let, let's get back to the whole thing about sex and everything. So, like, Brooke asked, did you sleep with him? It's like, why? at the end of the day, why does that matter? Yeah, why does that make it a valid cheating, you yeah. know? Yeah, like, exactly. Or a fa- affair. I mean, that wouldn't have been a big deal. It's funny how, how affairs are approached in movies and tv yeah because it always makes it seem like if they if the person had sex with someone else like that's the end of the world yeah but in reality i feel like emotional cheating like really falling for someone and connecting with that person Mm -hmm. without even physical contact is a lot more of an issue totally yeah like i used to be the type of person who would say like oh somebody has sex with somebody else like it's the end of the relate i mean this is back when i was monogamous but um somebody has sex with somebody else it's the end of the relationship i don't necessarily believe that anymore i feel like you could work through something like that if it's like a fling yeah but the whole thing with um the whole thing between with um brooke and being mad at peyton like, she says, did you sleep with him? And then at the end of the episode, she finds out, like, oh, Lucas did sleep with somebody, so I'm gonna st- I'm gonna keep being mad at Lucas. It's just, I feel like that's sending the message that, like, sex is more important than the actual, like, emotions that you feel. And then Brooke actually did ask, do you love him? And then Peyton hesitated, and then Brooke said something like, you know what, I don't even want to know, or something like that. Yeah. So she was asking that as well. But I think, yeah, the emphasis was on, did you have sex or not? But that's just, again, that's putting so much value on sex over everything else. And it's just like, like, if I was a Brooke situation, I would be more mad at Peyton than, or like, mad at Lucas for being with Peyton more so than being mad about Lucas being with Nikki, you know? If Brooke really knew how much of a connection Peyton and Lucas have, she wouldn't... (laughs) I think she'd be even more upset. Yeah. Which I feel like Brooke does now, even though it's not shown on screen. Brooke does now, like, what's going on as far as that's concerned. I don't think we have any answers to this whole entire thing. I feel like we just get a lot of questions in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) One last thing about um, Lucas, though. So Lucas, at the end of the episode, tells Whitey to get another shooter because the team is undefeated. He doesn't want to let them down. Which, like, that shows a little bit of growth, because, like, prior to this, he was just, like, working out in the weight room, and he's like, no, I gotta get back on the team, I gotta get back on the team, like, that's all that matters. But now, like, you know, he at the end of the episode, he goes to Whitey, and he's like, you know what, you need to replace me, find somebody else on the team. And let me tell you about a little gripe I have. We see a lot of skills in this episode. I feel like, wouldn't it have been great if Lucas told Whitey to get skills to take his place? Yeah, you know, I was thinking, I kind of, that kind of dawned on me too, actually. Like, I was thinking like, oh, that's gonna be a really cute moment. Like, because I, I forgot what happened, honestly. And then like, is that gonna happen? No, that, that doesn't ha- 
happened. Now, say, and by the end of the episode, it didn't happen at all. So that would have been a really great moment for Lucas to weaponize his white privilege there. I am just mm-hmm. saying. And it would would have fit into the storyline a bit better because I feel like the scenes with skills were just kind of, I don't know. They were just added in there. Basically, Skills was was supporting Lucas. That's basically what it was. It wasn't like the super big storyline or anything. Yeah, I think Skills was more there to show like where Lucas came from. Yeah. Because there's the question that Skills asked where he's like, why do you care so much about going back? So I feel like that's what Skills was supposed to represent. But I don't know. I feel like that would have been a really, really cute moment if Lucas used his privilege to get Skills onto the team. So... I'm disappointed in that. Okay, I just dropped my episode to a lower score, now that I'm thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) On a lighter note, though, let's talk about something completely stupid and inconsequential. Are you ready for this? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my pop culture fun facts, so it is stupid and and inconsequential. I'm here for it. So, in the episode, Brooke is in bed, she's watching some TV. And then that's when Peyton comes in. But what she's watched on TV, she's seen a woman crying, which I ended up finding out that movie that she is watching is called Splendor in the Grass, which is from 1961. And my good friend Brie Leach, host of A Simple Alias podcast, go listen to that podcast. It is wonderful. She was the one who pointed that out to me because I wanted to know. But anyway, the line is, I don't care what you do. I don't care what happens. I haven't any pride. And then the end of that quote is, I just want to die. I just want to die. And but you don't get to hear that part in the in the quote right there. And then but And she turns she turns the channel. Yeah, she changes the channel right then and there. But I kind of like that whole thing now because it's kind of like rejected the idea that like Brooke's like, you know what? No, I'm not gonna like sit and like, you know, wallow in self-pity here. Like, no, I gotta move on. So that's when she changes mm-hmm. to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003, the remake. <laughs> and let me tell you some more fun facts about this. You thought I was done. I am not. Okay. So this episode aired March 2nd, 2003. And I remember vividly when Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 came out on DVD. It came out on DVD March 30th, 2004. So I don't know how Brooke was watching this on regular TV. It does not make sense. Wow, so she got a preview. (laughs) Did they play movies on TV before they came out on, like, DVD? Or I guess they... No. VHS. DVDs were out then. Barely. (laughs) Gosh, we're not that old. (laughs) They were barely out then. No, I have that on DVD. Do you want want me to whip out my copy? I have it, like, right behind me. Actually, that's boring for the listeners. They don't don't care about that. They're like, you're not... This is a podcast. We don't care. But no, it was it was a really cool DVD though. It had like real crime scene photos. It was like this really cool thing. Anyway, that's all. That's a whole nother thing. But anyhow, the <laughs> the movie did not get released on DVD till March 30th, and the episode aired on March 2nd. And so I'm just saying, like, there's no way that Brooke could have been watching this because the movie would not have been playing on like regular premium cable. It wouldn't have been playing on cable until like maybe a couple weeks after it was out on DVD. So, that is a major plot hole. I know it's not, and nobody else cares about this. But you know what? If you do care about this, I don't know. I wonder know. how they were able to have that happen, <laughs> even. Yeah, like, how do they secure the rights for that? Like, I, I don't even know, like, what the what the distribution deals were, because it's not like... Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre wasn't even made by Warner Brothers or anything. Yeah, yeah. Huh. That's an interesting fact. Thanks for sharing, Jeremy. Y- you are so welcome. If you enjoy fun facts like that, please send me heart emojis. 
I was wondering what that first movie was. Yeah, I was wondering that too. I took a, I actually took a video of it. I just asked, Hive Mind, help! <laughs> what is this movie? <laughs> That's what Brie replied. <laughs> she let me know. So that was very appreciated. But yeah, that movie actually sounds very interesting. I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen it, but yeah. But it's basically about this girl who... Um, gets her heart broken essentially as she's falling in love so that's relatable yeah i wonder how else it relates to the episode yeah all right are we ready to move on now for your fun facts yes we are all right let's talk about peyton jake and jenny yes so i thought that was cute that jake asked peyton to babysit his daughter and that he trusted peyton enough to do that yeah i thought that was a sweet moment and she was doing it for free (laughs) yeah I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, Peyton, you have such a good salt. You, you have such a good heart. I'm good for you. <laughs> hey, Jake's a single dad. Yeah, I gotcha. But then he ended up getting pizza in the end for them. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, that's a that's a cool little yeah, cool little favor. But I, I did think it was kind of weird that they just asked Peyton, like, okay, like sh- she looked after your daughter one time during basketball practice. Like, how do you know that she's trustworthy? I know, right? Like, I mean, we know Peyton is trustworthy because we've spent this entire time with Peyton. Like, we know she wouldn't like you know fuck up a child or anything like that. I think they. I think she watched Jenny on the river court, and then wasn't there oh, one time? Okay. You're right. I, You're right. Yeah, during practice. So I think yeah, it was multiple times. You're right. Okay. All right. All right. I can, okay. I have more space for this now. Maybe there are more practices also that we don't know about. Okay. All right. I have more space for this. All right. The score's going up again. <laughs> what is my score going to be by the end of the episode? Who knows? <laughs> I like the moments between Peyton and Jake, though. Like, just the giggle, like, you know, the, like, giggles and everything. And there's actually a deleted scene where the two of them are watching a movie together. Um, They're watching Caddyshack, actually. And, like... Peyton starts cackling during one scene. Like, she laughs so loud. And then Jake, like, almost spits out his drink he was about to drink. That's funny that they deleted that. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, the, the, the scene's kind of inconsequential. If, I mean, if yeah. you think about, like, the larger picture of the episode. But that was, like, such a sweet moment, though, just to see her, like, outright cackle, though. Because we I, we have not seen Peyton do that. Yeah, she's usually never that happy, honestly. Yeah. Which is sad. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. But I liked all that. All right. Are we ready to talk about the uh, Nathan's family drama? Whew, holy moly. <laughs> Things are getting really crazy. Yeah, Dan bribes him with a car, which I do not blame Nathan for keeping that car. Yeah. But it just goes to show, like, all of Dan's power moves. And there's one of them. I've been in situations like that before. Like, I was in a toxic work environment, and I, I left and I quit. And they essentially begged for me to come back, and they paid me. And so many people were saying, like, why would you go back to work for them? I'm like, girl, they're paying me. I'll work <laughs> for them. <laughs> I'm not working for them, like, at the same level, though. I was working on, like, a freelance basis, so it was like, I yeah. I had a little bit of separation. But I'm just like, yeah, listen, like, I'll, I'll gladly work get $100 for doing this job for them. Fine. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them for taking the car, because basically... Dan's ruined his life, so yeah. at least he can get a car from it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just just take advantage of it, honestly. Yeah. And then, then we get the whole big reveal from Deb about this apparent secret. Mm-hmm. Which has been teased, like, several times in previous episodes. Yeah, but she had an affair and that she actually left Dan one summer when Nathan was away at basketball camp. So 
I understand that Nathan was upset because he felt abandoned that summer because he tried to get Deb to come home, but in reality, she was with another man. And I mean, I get why he would be upset about that. Yeah. But also think about how it must have felt to be married to Dan. Do you really blame Deb? Exactly. I don't know. Where do you stand on that? What were your thoughts? It's it's one of those things where both truths can exist simultaneously. Because she is failing Nathan in that situation. She was. She She's also getting out of a bad situation herself. So it's like, I mean, what do you do? What is the right thing to do? And she's trying to make it right now in the yeah. present. But what about the line where Nathan asks Deb, or he doesn't ask Deb, he tells Deb, he says, like, you didn't come back for me. You came back because your fling ended. Yeah. And Deb doesn't deny that. So it almost makes me wonder, like, is that confirmation that she only came back because the fling ended? How how would Nathan even know that? Yeah, I mean, Nathan wouldn't know that. But, I'm, but the fact that Deb didn't deny it, it makes you wonder if that's confirmation. Yeah. Ba- I mean, based on what we know as the audience, what do you think? Do you think that... Deb actually left because the flame ended, or did she really leave to come back to Nathan? I think it's too vague to, to determine either way. I mean, I would I want to hope that she came back for Nathan, but I don't think we can really determine it. Yeah, we don't we don't know the facts at the end of the day. I mean, Nathan doesn't either, but I feel like from Nathan's perspective, I he's just assuming. Yeah, I understand why he did, though, but I also understand, like, the difficult situation that Deb's put in right now. I do like that Deb came forward and said that, and and confessed that what she did was wrong. I do like that. Yeah, she opened up to him, and like I said, she's trying to make things right in the present. Yeah. I wish Nathan would see that, but instead he wants, I don't know, he's he's operating from a 17-year-old's perspective, and he's sick of his parents, and he does have every right to be sick of his parents because of the way... He's been treated or abandoned or however you want to describe it. But I don't know. It just seems so extreme to be emancipated from his parents. Yeah, I don't know. I understand why he had to do it, I feel like. He he needs to give Deb a chance, I think. Okay. He's miserable with his dad. I don't know why he's going back to his dad. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm very neutral about the situation with Deb. But, I mean, the whole, thing, the whole thing with Dan, I'm like, fuck Dan. Like, Nathan has every right to leave him, but the whole thing with Deb, like, I don't know. Like, I can see both sides in that situation. Well, my stance is that he should give Deb a chance. And he really isn't. At all. Okay. And that's what I have to say about that. Cool! <laughs> <laughs> And the Scott family drama continues. Oh my gosh. It just keeps getting worse and worse. (laughs) (laughs) So we have the whole Keith and Dan situation. I know. I also want to know, like, what is this contract? Like, was there fine print on this contract? I want to, I would have spent so much time reading it. Yeah, I I don't understand how there can be, like, their verbal agreement was one thing, and then they sign a contract, and then... The next day, Dan has a whole new name for the business. Like, wouldn't that have been in the contract? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't it have been in the contract that there would be a new boss? I would imagine so, yeah. I mean, Keith is a victim here, so I'm not going to, like, you know, I'm not going to shame him or anything like that. But at the same time, like, you know, this is a good lesson. Like, read contracts. Yeah, it really is. I mean, <laughs> a good reminder because... Keith probably should have read this a little bit more clearly, but maybe the contract was so vague that Dan just 
was able to do what he wanted to do. And honestly, I wouldn't put that past Sam. Yeah. I wouldn't put that past Sam if it was like very vague. And it says, well, you didn't, well, the contract didn't say that I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So a lot of shit happens in Dakota when Cheryl Crow uh, shows up at Karen's cafe. How random was that? <laughs> <laughs> they really just squeezed Cheryl Crow into this episode. <laughs> I love that. Which, by the way, there are like five Cheryl Crow songs in this episode. Has there been mm-hmm. so far? Because I mean, you always make the playlist, but so far, have there has there been an episode with like that many songs from the same artist? I don't think so. I think there's been two for some artists, but not five. Not th- <laughs> you said five? Yeah, yeah, not five. I counted. And there's 15 songs total. So I mean, it's still that's like oh, that's a third of the episode. <laughs> well, they really wanted to play up her, I guess, her new album at the time, or just her music in general. <laughs> Maybe, um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought that scene was really cute. How Haley got all nervous, and she's like, "Oh my god, I was trying to bid concert tickets on you, but then the eBay cyphers got it." <laughs> And then Nathan's like, Haley, let it go. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was just so funny to me. Um, the funniest part of that entire scene now, <laughs> I loved how Haley is talking to Nathan. She's like, you know, the funny thing about this is that nobody will believe us when we tell them. And then Nathan's <laughs> like, I got you covered. Let me take a picture. <laughs> yeah. A really grainy cell phone picture because back then back then children it was very innovative to have a camera attached to your phone they were the worst pictures (laughs) worst pictures ever i don't even know how that feature existed the pictures were that bad (laughs) (laughs) they were terrible they were so grainy like you couldn't even send them like i don't when did you get your first cell phone uh i think i was like 13 maybe Oh, well, I got mine when I was 16, so. <laughs> so, yeah, like, when this episode aired, I did not have a cell phone. But, like, when you um when you had a, a phone with, like, pictures on it and everything like that, were you able to actually send those pictures to people? Because I cannot. I, you know what? I don't really remember. <laughs> because I know me, like, I would take pictures on my, uh, on my phone, but it's not like I could post them anywhere or, like, send no, them to I people. No, I don't think, you might have been able to send them to people, but there wasn't... Yeah, I mean, you could, but you had to, like, pay more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we were not paying more money. Like, I didn't even, yeah. I didn't even get texted. Like, I said I got a cell phone at 16. I don't think I got texted until 18. Yeah, I had was, to watch my text. I remember having to do that. Yeah, you had like, to watch your number. Sometimes we went over, and then it was bad. And <laughs> Yeah, I had, like, I think I had, like, 200 texts a month. Mm-hmm. So, like, whenever I would text somebody, I'd be like, and I had to tell them something, I'd be like, hey, just so you know, this is happening tomorrow. Don't reply to this. I do not want to waste <laughs> my text message. <laughs> because even the text messages that got sent to you counted, and it was the worst thing ever. Oh, my God. Like, I don't know how we did that back then. How did we do I don't that? know. It was really, really clunky of a system. <laughs> But anyway, it was it was very funny though that like you know the, the fact that Nathan brought out a um whipped out his phone was considered like an innovative feature back in the day because there's a second where you're like wait a minute what are they going to do nobody will believe them oh they have a camera phone thank goodness <laughs> they were really trying to show off the technology <laughs> because if this was taking place in um in 2021 what would happen is both of them would have their phone like up like taking videos of it. They'd be on, like, Instagram Live or something, or <laughs> yeah, TikTok, or whatever, I don't know. 
don't even know what TikTok is, honestly. <laughs> I just signed up for TikTok. I, I don't make, I haven't made any videos yet, but... <laughs> What is TikTok? I don't know. <laughs> it's basically Vine, but it's 45 seconds. I think it's 45. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. G- Gen Z, educate us. Tell us about TikTok. Should we get a TikTok for the podcast? Let <laughs> us know. I don't know if I want a TikTok for the podcast. That sounds like too much effort to you. No, thank you, please. I'm good with the oh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. <laughs> it's oh. like, that's, that's fine. All right. What else? <laughs> so... Let's talk about all the other things that happened in this coda, though. Um, we see Deb crying to Dan about Nathan's emancipation. She's like, he's leaving us, Dan. And I don't blame him. And that was such mm-hmm. a cute gut-wrenching scene. Yeah. We see Brooke, like, r- we see Brooke rolling over in bed. We see Lucas looking at an off-webcam. And then it goes to Peyton, who's has her webcam off, and she's drawing. Yeah, we don't see what she's drawing, but we see the picture that she was working on earlier in the episode where it's what does that picture mean by the way do you know it's with the heart and the three in front of it or in it yeah so what is that what is that picture supposed to represent because it's 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 supposed to be brooke payton and lucas shooting at that heart right yeah so what does why are they i mean i guess it's just trying to talk about love in general like it's not worth it in the end or love you know or is it just saying that all three of them are accountable for what happens? Is that what? Um, I don't think so. It's just that whatever happened between them is all ruined now. Okay. I don't know if it's like a super deep message. Because the number three, like that's Lucas's jersey number, so. Yeah. I was like, are they or shooting at Lucas? I guess putting a little bit of blame on Lucas. Hmm, maybe. And then, okay, I like that hot take actually because there's Lucas. Lucas is essentially shooting himself. You get what I mean? Yeah. Like, Lucas is shooting himself, so he's like, you know what? Like, I'm to blame for, like, everything that's happening to me right now. Because I'm doing these types of things. But, anyway, that drawing is unfinished, though. Which, I feel like is very symbolic, the fact that it's unfinished. Yeah. So, during the the coda, we also see Jake, who finds the drawing of Jenny that Peyton drew. Which was really cute. I know, that was really cute surprise and then as he's cleaning up from the pizza night there's a knock or a doorbell i don't know which one whichever (laughs) and nikki is there and then jake's like nikki and then it's like oh my god you find out like jake knows who nikki is how does jake know who nikki is and then nikki's like so how's my daughter dun 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 yeah that's a fun twist yes so top favorite moments let's go all right what was your favorite quote? One song per cup. That's cute. <laughs> it was just a, just a quick quote. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was cute. Yeah, it was cute. And it's it's a, it's an iconic quote too. Actually, it's. I mean, it's so quick. But I don't know. I feel like when you say one song per cup and you're a One Tree Hill fan, people know what that means. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's not a quote that stands out to me. I'll say I'm not more saying later. it's a it's a bad quote. I'm not saying that at all. But. Yeah. I just didn't know it was, like, legendary. I mean, to me, it's legendary. I mean, I'll say more later. Okay. (laughs) What was your favorite quote? So I like what Lucas said to Dan. He said, what you did doesn't change who you are. Oh, and why did that resonate with you? I think it's so true. I mean, Dan did a good thing, but it... By saving Lucas, but it doesn't change who he is. It doesn't change the past. It doesn't change how he's acted in the past few months towards Lucas. 
he just, he did one good thing. Yeah, that's actually making me think a little bit now that you mentioned that. Do you think the fact that Lucas, Lucas is fucking up now. He's really fucking up. As our, listen, as our listener C said, he's being a fuckboy. Do you think that maybe Lucas is seeing himself and Dan now? Or seeing Dan and himself, I should say? Hmm. That's a good point. Maybe he is, and maybe that's what kind of woke him up after his whole thing with Nikki. Yeah. I mean, because remember we were saying how he has some kind of revelation in a way? Mm-hmm. And then he went to go apologize to his mom? Yeah. So there was some kind of realization, so maybe it was that. That's a good point. Like, maybe he's realizing that there's, like, there's some gray within himself where he's, like... Yeah. Like, he's realizing, like, you know what? Like, I'm fucked up, too. Um, I'm trying my hardest, but I'm still fucked up at the end of the day. So it's like, hmm. Maybe I make poor decisions just like Dan did. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen there. I wonder. I don't know. Which Cheryl Crow song did you pick as your favorite musical moment? So I chose, the first cut is the <laughs> deepest. Because I can't not sing that song. It's so fun to sing. <laughs> And I won't go into a lengthy thing because we already talked about that song. But yeah. I like the montage. We already discussed like the different scenes that were in that the very final song. Mm-hmm. And I think it just really like that. Fr- the title of the song really hints to that love triangle and the drama and the hurt that the three of them feel. Yes. And it's it's like kind of the first experience with love. In some capacity, depending, because they all had different feelings, but yeah, it was their first experience with that, and it was hurtful in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the whole idea of just trying to move on in general, which I think that song's really about. Yeah. I also picked the Sheryl Crow song as my favorite musical moment, but I picked a different one. I picked uh, Lucky Kid, which played during a scene where Nikki and Lucas have sex on the carousel. Okay. Because I love a good sex song. <laughs> I've said this before, I love sex songs, and I don't know, it's just a very high energy thing, and, you know, just the whole thing, like, you get wasted! <laughs> blah, 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 I don't know the words, blah, blah! <laughs> See, you're supposed to sing too, Jeremy, and you're failing us right now. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> so. oh, and it's like, oh, 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 you're a lucky kid. It was so good. I don't know. Like, I don't know. That entire thing just made me think, like, oh, my God, I want to go have sex on a carousel now. But I can't because we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> so. Oh, the joys of 2020. <laughs> Caitlin, I thought you were about to say, like, oh, the joys of having sex on a carousel. Like, Caitlin. Like, no, that's off brand for you. That's on brand. Yeah, that is really, really off brand. That's on brand for me. Like me, it's like, okay, like Jeremy, that was like Tuesday night for you. Um. Oh my God. What was your rating for the episode? So speaking of carousels, (laughs) I gave it a three out of five carousels. Okay. You know, I like the twist at the end. I remember seeing that for the first time and was like, oh, snap. That's a really good twist. Mm-hmm. Introducing a character in a different context and then connecting them to a different storyline at the end is a really yeah. good twist. Um, I love when soap operas say that. Yeah. Overall, it, eh, the episode was a little boring for me. I mean, I feel like the drama with the love triangle is going on and on. And I know it was just revealed in the last episode, but it just feels like... Oh my god, can this be over? (laughs) 
And just some of the characters are just not like, I don't know. Didn't agree with some of the things that they did. What about you? Um, I'm pretty much, yeah, I'm pretty much split down the middle as well. I give it three out of five DSL internet connections. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like, just like I said, I think I said this in the last episode. This episode's fine. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like the only big thing that happens in this one is the thing with, is everything going on with Nikki. Like, we got introduced to her, and Nikki, I, I think Emmanuel Valgier is very entertaining to watch. And I think she saves an episode that is otherwise pretty lackluster. Yeah. I w- it wasn't that exciting of an episode. I was pretty bored, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there were some good aspects to it, but yeah. I don't think it lives up to a four rating. Definitely. But Nikki is great, and I can't wait to chat about her more. Will she be back? Who knows? Maybe she'll just disappear after this episode and we'll never see her again. Lip- Our lips are sealed. <laughs> That'd be really fucked up if that happened that way, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, Nikki's just gone. <laughs> no resolution at all. <laughs> Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. That's AlwaysOTHpod. You can follow Jeremy Rodriguez on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. You can follow Caitlin Illinich on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans, new and old, find us. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll, we'll be, be seeing, seeing ya. ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your final reminder to turn this podcast off if you do not want spoilers. Woo! So, um, before we get into talking about our favorite villainous vixens, I want to mention um, one song per cup. Um, so, after Haley goes on tour in season two, she comes back in the... Well, she comes back at the end of the season two finale, but in the season three premiere... She goes to Karen's cafe. She asks for her job back. And then Karen's like, oh, one song per cup, Haley. And then they hug. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. Karen says that to Haley. Whoa, one song per cup. I vaguely remember that. That's cute. That's cute that they, like, they repeated that line. Yeah, they did a little throwback there, so I don't know. There may be other times where one song per cup is mentioned, but I can't think of any off the top of my head, but that's the other time I remember it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever really realized that line was a thing. (laughs) <laughs> to me it is at least so like it's so special to jeremy yeah i don't know it, it always meant something to me like it's not you know it's no like don't say i never gave you anything or anything like that but or always and forever <laughs> it's, it's not a quote yeah. on that level by any means <laughs> but to me personally like i don't know i always like one song per cup i'm like oh it's a cute line all right so in honor of nikki's introduction caitlin and i decided to rank our Top seven favorite villainous vixens. Top eight. Top eight. Top eight. My (laughs) (laughs) best. I definitely have eight, right? One, two, three. Yeah, I have eight. We're good. (laughs) So these are the these are the villainous vixens that we are that we are ranking. Uh, So I'm gonna say these in no particular order. So we have Nikki, of course. We have Rachel, Nanny Carey, Katie, Alex, Victoria, Tara, and Alice. 
those are the ones we consider the villainous vixens. We thought about putting Jules on the list, but we didn't really think Jules was the villain. Jules was more like a puppet of Dan's. Yeah, that's a valid point. So, I mean, I mean that was my that was my hot take at least. And Caitlin agreed with it, so I'm, I'm not speaking for her. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, it's kind of gray. It's kind of a gray area. Yeah, so we didn't. We decided not to put her in there. But that's that. And I don't think we're forgetting anyone else. Yeah, not that I know of. And if we did miss anybody, feel free to let us know. And then maybe we'll redo this at another point. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I I think we got everyone. Okay, cool. I went through every scene or every season in my head. That's what I did, so I was like, and <laughs> I I mean, we at least got the major ones. So I think so, yeah. So let's um let's rank ours. Um starting with number eight. Yes. I don't know why I keep saying I was about to say top seven. Okay. <laughs> Pick my space, Jeremy. <laughs> Top eight. <laughs> yeah, so um, who takes your number eight spots? I put Tara. Oh, really? Okay. W- w- why? But she... I didn't like her character. I didn't think she was a fun villain at all. She- I just found her to be very, very annoying. She wasn't ever likable to me. And she saved Brooke in the end. Right? Yeah. When she was getting attacked by Xavier. But I don't know. I didn't like her. I don't think she had any, like, likable qualities. Yeah. Like, she was just, she was an outright sociopath, like, hiring Xavier just to, like, essentially get on Brooke's nerves. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, granted, like, some of these characters try to fucking kill people, so, like, it's not like that, it's not like they're more redeemable. <laughs> yeah, that's why I only said some. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I agree with you. Yeah, she is unlikable. How did you rank her? Uh, I put her at number seven. Oh, Okay. So, but my number eight goes to Alice, who is Mouth's boss, and honestly, it, ha- it was because I I never even think about her. <laughs> yeah, I put her at number seven. Yeah, okay, so we just had like a little flip-flop right there. But yep. she was interesting to watch, but she never really got to catch fire, I don't think. Let's just call her for what, it, for what she was, too. She's a rapist. In a, in a post-Me Too world, like, that storyline would not fly whatsoever. She pressured Mouth, right? Yeah. She fired him because he wouldn't have sex with her. He didn't yeah. lose his job because yeah. of this whole, you know, she ended up getting fired herself. And then Mouth ends up finding out that she had sex with everybody in the office, which, you know, so honestly, I'm putting a lot of like 2020 into that. I'm like, that whole thing's kind of gross to me. Yeah, it's kind of disturbing. And she was completely forgettable when you said Alice. I was like, who's Alice? Yeah. I don't even remember. <laughs> But like, yes. then I thought back, I'm like, okay, her acting was a bit entertaining, but that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to refresh my memory about her storylines. <laughs> <laughs> she's, I mean, she, you know, that's another reason too why she's like pretty like low on my list. She's not even around for very long. So I don't even think I really got yeah. time to like really appreciate her. Okay. So we talked about number eight and number seven. Who was your number six? Katie. Okay. I ranked Katie higher. <laughs> like- so tell me about tell me about your thoughts on Katie. She's scary. <laughs> I she's real scary. I felt like that storyline was oh my god, it was really far fetched. But that's what the whole point. She was trying to act like Clay's former wife. She dead wife. Yeah. 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 Dead wife. So I don't know. I don't have like major. I don't have major opinions about her. I guess. She was just okay to me, I guess. I don't know. 
What were your thoughts? You ranked her at what? Uh, I ranked her much higher, so I feel like I should um, talk to her like when I get to her. Okay. <laughs> so my number six slot goes to Alex. Because okay. I, I, I like Alex, but, you know, because um, Shanna Kramer is very, very entertaining to watch. As far as her being a villain is concerned, um, I don't think she's a very... She's not an interested villain throughout her entire run, I don't think. She's redeemable in the end. Yeah, she's redeemable in the end. So, like, I don't know. Like, thinking of her as a villain, it's kind of, like, weird for me to think. So, like, I'm, I'm ranking her higher because she's she's just fun to watch. Uh, but she's lower because she's not, like, the best villain, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. So who takes your number five slot? I put Nikki. All right. She got my number four. Nikki's entertaining. She has, uh, you know, she has an interesting storyline <laughs> where she literally steals Jenny, which is terrifying. <laughs> my big disappointment with, disappointment with her, though, is that she's... I wish we got to see her resolution on screen because we had yeah. to find it out that Jake tracked her down and now the two of them are co-parents and happily and peacefully and everything seems to be okay between the two of them. There was never so. a very clear... I mean, they spelled it out for us, but they didn't really yeah. show us. Yeah, and they, uh, that could have had to do because maybe they couldn't get Emmanuel Valjean to come back or something like that. Like, who knows? Like, nobody really knows the truth there. But yeah, she was great. Um, I put her at number four just because, like, I don't know. I, I like a good kidnapper, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's, a really, that's a really vague way to say it. I like a good kidnapper. I like, you know, people who kidnap people on shows. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, I like the twist that she was involved in, which we talked about in this episode. So that, okay. those are my thoughts overall. What's your number five? My number five goes to Victoria. Oh. She's right in the middle for me there because, I don't know. She, like, she was entertaining to watch. I like to see her, like, you know, lock horns with Brooke. But she's so sweet. And I hated putting her on this list. And Caitlin made me. Come on, she entered the show as a villain, and you cannot <laughs> deny that. You can absolutely not deny that. She was redeemed in the end, like some of these villains were. Yeah, I, I listed them all off, and then Caitlin's like, how about Victoria? I'm like, I don't want Victoria on the list. I'll put Victoria on there. <laughs> oh, come on, but like for the first, what, two seasons, she was a villain. Yeah, now Basically. I now I know. <laughs> I'm half kidding. But... I know. Should I share where I put Victoria? Um, or, how far up a Shay? Okay, let's just keep going then. I'll yeah. share my number four. Okay. Who was who was your number four? We know mine's Nikki. I put Alex to pray. Okay. She was another character that stirred things up in Tree Hill, and I think Janet Kramer is just really entertaining to watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like like you said, she she was a funny villain. I got a lot of laughs out of her, but the stuff that she did with Julian, whew, oh my gosh. Yeah, and she almost um. She almost kills herself, which that's all. I'm really interested in revisiting that storyline mm-hmm. because, hell, the last time I watched it, it's been years, honestly. I didn't really know much about mental health or anything like that. So I almost wonder how that storyline holds up. Yeah, I'm curious too. Because I don't know if it does. Probably not. But just to be clear, that storyline is not obviously what made her into be a villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, but by no means, yeah. yeah. I was just bringing it up because I just thought Yeah, that's it. a major storyline with her. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, okay, so she, that she was your number four, you said? Yeah. Okay, my, Nikki was my number four, so let's move on to number three. I put Victoria. Okay. Because I- <laughs> Any extra comments? Ooh, I love the twist that that was Brooke's mom, and she played such a good part. Oh my gosh. 
She was terrible. Like, you hated her. I love how story, like, storytellers can make you hate a character and then later love a character. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how Dan was redeemed in the end. Like, you hate Dan, but then you grow to like Dan in the end. Or at least feel for Dan. So yeah. Victoria was a very similar case to that. Mm-hmm. She did a lot of things to Brooke. And we know how, like, her absence through the years spoke volumes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Victoria is wonderful. Um, that twist that you were talking about earlier, that do you mean the twist about... um? Where, like, I think um, Victoria's in, like, three episodes, and she's just she's just really mean to Brooke. And then she's like, Brooke, and then Brooke says, mother. And that's the first time she actually calls her mom, and you're like, what? Yeah, I think that's how it went, yep. You're like, what? This is Victoria, or, this is Brooke's mom? Yeah, I remember, I remember being really shocked at that moment, too. You're like, what? <laughs> that's one of the biggest twists, I think, of the whole show, really. That, that was such a shock to me. Really? The biggest twist of the whole show? One of the bigger twists, yeah, okay. because we never we never were introduced to the mother, and then suddenly we meet Brooke's mom without even knowing it. Okay. I don't know. To me, it's like, I remember watching that and just being utterly shocked. Okay, well, you know, let's transition to like a moment where I was utterly shocked. My number three slot goes to Katie. I told you I ranked her much higher. Oh, wow. Because I vividly remember watching the seventh season finale, and I don't know if you remember this, but the way they advertise the um, the final episodes of season seven, because, I mean, this was like a thing for One Tree Hill every year. You never knew if it was coming back for another season. Yeah. I mean, you were always, like, pretty confident it was going to, but you still never knew for sure. Until the last season actually aired, when season nine came out, it was like, okay, we know this is going to be the last season. So we actually got a true final season. But the way the seventh season finale was advertised, or more so like the last four episodes, I remember like leading up to the finale of season seven, it says the final four episodes. Like all the promos said that, the final four episodes, because I guess they were trying to like be safe, trying to say like, okay, in case we don't get picked up, we're just going to say the final four episodes just in case, because we're not picked up for season eight yet. We don't know what's going to happen. So you're like, so I was watching season seven thinking like, this could be the end. I might have to be okay with it. And then when you watch the seventh season finale, like they do a, such a good job of like wrapping things up. Don't you agree? Like leading up to it, like that's when Julian proposes to Brooke. That's when um, we find out that Haley's pregnant and she's, you know, it seems like she's starting to get into a better positive space with her mother's death. And so there's probably a few other things that happened too that I forgot about. But yeah, at the end of the day, like the entire seventh season finale, you're thinking like, oh, everything's going to be a happy ending. And then all of a sudden, Quinn walks into the bedroom. There's Katie standing in all black with a gun, shoots Quinn. Clay hears it, Clay enters the room, and then Katie shoots him, and then, boom, that's where the season ends. And you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? (laughs) Oh my gosh, you really just brought me back with that description. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It is wild, because Seven, like, you're right, it could have been the series finale, minus the shooting at the end. Yeah. I remember vividly watching that finale and just being like, oh my God, they better fucking bring back this show for another season. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember like I was I was watching it live and I remember like, I wouldn't say I was bored. I was just like, I was very tired like that day watching it. And I was like, okay, like everything's wrapping up. Like, okay, this could be the series finale. Okay, this is fine. And then all of a sudden I saw, I see Katie like shoot the fucking gun. And that's when I woke up and I'm like, oh my God, I can't sleep now. Is this show going to come back? So Wild. So wild. So. 
that moment just ranks like very, very high on my list for that reason. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I agree. That's a good finale. I guess maybe I will re-rank Katie. I don't know. She wasn't like my favorite villain, but I understand your feelings about the series finale and how the shock of it. Yeah. And I love the episode where um, she essentially goes after Quinn in the house and Quinn has to like hide and everything like that. And then Quinn ends the episode where she says, I am your storm now. I just love it. I love a good, like, horror movie type of deal. And that was just a very entertaining episode for me. Yeah, that was definitely horror. I love, 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 love that episode, personally. All right, we have two left, and I... (laughs) It's just a matter of, like, where we're going to rank which one. I know, it's funny that we put them at the... Both at the top. (laughs) So who's your number two? My number two is Nanny Carey. Sam. <laughs> That's funny that we, oh my gosh, so we put Rachel's number one and Nanny yes. Carey's number two. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Nanny Carey. <laughs> I freaking love her as a villain. Like, <laughs> as soon as we were coming, I knew we were coming up with this list, I'm like, she's going to the top. Tori DeVito plays such a good part. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. And she basically plays like a temptress. She's trying to sleep with nathan and all of that and then she steals jamie yeah (laughs) the day of the wedding like it's wild stuff but it is talk about entertainment the whole thing with her and nathan though like it's kind of weird how that just that just randomly ends Mm -hmm. she's always consistent with kidnapping jamie but the whole thing with nathan that just sort of ends she sneaks in the shower she she flirts with him a lot and she sneaks in the shower when he was in there but yeah, overall, she's very entertaining. Yes, yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I remember when she came back for season six, and she's the nurse that's taking care of Dan. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I wasn't expecting her to come back here. What the fuck? <laughs> I know, she keeps coming back, and the way she dies is, like, epic. Yeah, definitely. Which, that actually makes me think a little bit about how the female villains are treated on this show versus the male villains. Um, how come um, Psycho Derek, a.k.a. Ian, gets a redemption arc where he's like, oh god, my girlfriend just died in a car accident, and then Peyton actually gets to forgive um, gets to forgive him. Yeah. And he gets forgiveness, but Nanny Carey doesn't. Nanny Carey gets murdered. That's a valid point. So, I don't know. I think about that sometimes. I'm interested to overanalyze that as we get closer to there. But Nanny Carrie did get a little bit of, like, we got some backstory about her, how she lost a child. She still gets killed. <laughs> I know, there's no excuse, but we do yeah. get a little bit of backstory from her. And I'm not saying she didn't deserve to get killed. I mean, you know, she's she's terrible, but I also think that Derek, or Derek slash Ian should have gotten killed as well, you know? Yeah, he really should have. Because <laughs> they were just as bad. Basically. That's my hot take on it. Oh my god. And then our number one, Rachel. Yes, I can't believe <laughs> can't believe we have we shared that for our top two. Yeah, that's awesome. So Rachel Katina. Oh, she is just fun. Where do we begin with her, honestly? I we'll start with I'm upset that they never fully wrapped up her story. Yes. And that was screwed up because she was a big part of the show and she deserved that. But I am glad that they brought her back in what was it season seven? What, wait, Caitlin, what do you what do you mean? She was only in seasons three and four. She was in a little in five. No, she, she was only in seasons three and four. She was a little in five. There she was, was only in seasons three and four. Why? What about the drug storyline and Owen? That wasn't that wasn't her. She may have looked a lot like her, but that is not <laughs> Rachel. What are you saying? 
that is not that is not Rachel. That is just somebody who looks a lot like Rachel. Maybe she goes by Rachel. Maybe it's played by the same <laughs> actress who played Rachel. That is not Rachel to me. Rachel is only in seasons three and four. Yeah, well, she was in five. <laughs> she was in seven, and that was it. Nope, nope. But keep or, going. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let yeah. you finish your what you're saying. <laughs> She's a ton of fun. Rachel's a fun character. You kind of love to hate her at certain parts because she, you know, she stirs things up, specifically with Lucas and just everything, basically. She's outright evil. <laughs> Especially, like, at the beginning of season four when she tries to sleep with Nathan, so. Yeah, and then she tries to compete with Brooke. That, that's a whole other thing. But, like, you kind of love to hate her because she's fun at the same time. And then her character is redeemed more in season four. And then, yeah, we have some unpleasant storylines in season five. And that's, okay, that's the part where I'm going to get serious about, um, about Rachel. Um, there is outright character assassination that happens with her with, with seasons five through seven. We never get a true resolution. And, I, like, there, there's a bunch of issues, like, behind the scenes with, with that that you can read up on as well. Um, so Neil Ackles, the actress who plays Rachel, um, didn't really want to come back. The only reason why she came back for season seven mm. was because she was going to be sharing a lot of scenes with Paul Johansson. And she essentially saw Paul Johansson as like a safe place for her. So she was okay with working with him. Um, but otherwise, yeah. So we never really got a full resolution with her. It's a shame, especially mm-hmm. with like her storylines with Brooke. Like, that, they were basically best friends, or, like, and, yeah, it's really sad to think that we never got that resolution. Yeah, definitely. I remember feeling that way when she left in season seven, or five, even five and seven, I guess. Just, I don't know, she's basically yeah. just written off, and you don't really get any... But when you're watching those episodes, there's some part of you that hopes that she'll come back. Yeah. And then I remember sure. thinking when season nine came out, I'm like, oh, she's not coming back. This is really disappointing. That means the last time we saw her was when Dan was divorcing her. And that's her last scene in the series. And it's like, really? She deserves so much better than that. I know. And and then her character, like, I know, yeah, she's supposed to be a villain. But, like, the whole storyline with Dan and trying to, they're doing that show together yeah scott free which is a wonderful wonderful pun but overall <laughs> i loved her in, in three and four she just steals every scene and i just i wish we had more of her yeah she does steal every scene all right well this is a fun discussion with our favorite villainous vixens yeah i loved ranking them that was a lot of fun <laughs> yes Next week, we will deal with some more vixens in the form of the Ravens cheerleaders, because next week we are discussing season one, episode 17, Spirit in the Nights. According to our One Tree Hill DVD box sets, when Chickenpox fells a Ravens cheerleader the night before a major competition, Haley grabs some pom-poms and learns the moves. Keith learns that Dan's offer to finance his garage has strings attached. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. ya.